Friends, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please join in our call to worship. Where crooked roads need straightening, prepare the way of the Lord. Where people walk in darkness, prepare the way of the Lord. Where busy lives need quieting, prepare the way of the Lord. Where conflict longs for reconciling, prepare the way of the Lord. Where broken hearts cry out for healing, prepare the way of the Lord. Where prophets' voices need to be heard, prepare the way of the Lord. To all of the earth and to all of your people, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Let us prepare the way of the Christ child, the one who is coming to bring us joy. Joy is holy, joy is sometimes gentle and sometimes stubborn. Joy shouts to the world, but also whispers to our hearts. It does not depend upon our circumstances, it depends only upon God, which means joy is far more powerful than we often realize. We light this candle of joy to shine its beautiful light upon a weary world.
In this season of Advent, we prepare our hearts to welcome Christ anew into our lives and into our world. We renew our hope in God's promises, our commitment to seek peace and to live in joy. Trusting in God's steadfast love and presence, let us pray together. Gracious God, as we wait for you this Advent season, we walk through this life you have given us. We walk in the wilderness searching for meaning. Catch our attention with mercy and with fire. We walk in the city thirsting for justice. Fill us with integrity and hope. We walk toward Bethlehem seeking a savior. Come to us with holiness and joy. As we wait for you this Advent season, prepare our hearts so we will notice when you are among us. God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but may have eternal life. God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The true light is coming into the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. lives of faith. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Since we have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, let us share signs of that reconciliation with one another. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Please greet one another with a sign of Christ's peace.
Friends, once again, it is good to be together on this third Sunday of Advent. It is good to see the joy with which you are greeting one another and sharing peace. Whether you are first-time visitors or long-time members or somewhere in between, you have made us better by being with us today, and we are grateful that you are here. It is our hope that any time you join us by coming through these doors, that you would leave changed in some way, whether that is having received comfort or challenge, whichever it is you are most in need of. If you have not already done so and you're seated near the ends of these pews and have access to those maroon friendship uh, pew pads, they're called something different in every church, so I'm still, I might call them anything given any particular day, but if you can reach them, if you would sign your name and pass it down to others, Feel free to look inside and see the names of those with whom you are worshiping this day. As you do that, a few reminders to share with you. Um, First of all, if you requested pledge envelopes to help you in the fulfillment of your pledge, they are outside on a table in the church house lobby. You may pick them up after worship. If you have not yet requested those envelopes, but you would still like them, there's a clipboard and you can make a note of that there and we will get those to you as soon as possible. A reminder, of course, that our carol sing is this afternoon at 4 o'clock. We would love to see many of you. We will hear some beautiful singing and have the opportunity to join in singing together as well. Next Sunday is our fourth Sunday of Advent. Our worship services are as normal at 9 and 11.15. On Christmas Eve, our family service is at 5 o'clock, and our candlelight communion service is at 10.30 in the evening. The prelude for that service begins at 10.15. I recommend it to you if you are coming. On Christmas Day, our service of lessons and carols is at 11.15. The next Sunday, if you haven't had enough church yet, we will still be here. On December 29th, there will be just one service at 1030. This is trivia to make sure you're paying attention and that you show up at the right time. It's all listed in your bulletin. But as a reminder, once we get into January, we will return back to our normal worship schedule with services at 9 and 1115. If you have questions, you can always call the church office or check online. I also want to give you a bit of a stewardship update since we have been talking about that for a number of weeks up until recently. So that you know exactly where we stand and you can be confident that your giving is making a difference, we wanted to bring you up to date. As of this past Friday, we have 116 pledges for a total of about $660,000. Now here's the good news about that. That is ahead with the total amount that is a bit ahead of where we were this time last year. The flip side to that is that we are actually at that number with fewer pledges than last year at this time. So we have higher giving, but we have fewer pledges committed at this time. There's all sorts of reasons that might be the case, so if you have not yet pledged, we invite you to do that. There are pledge cards in the pews. You may pledge online or give the church office a call. To those of you that have pledged, we say thank you deeply. We talk about all of this because it matters to our life and health as a church family overall. We are still working to reduce the draw on our endowment so that we are in a more stable place financially. 
we are making good progress toward that. You might remember that we approved a $212,000 deficit budget for this calendar year. We are anticipating coming in at roughly $10,000 deficit. So that's a much better deficit than we planned for, but we're not all the way there yet. So we do hope that all of you will contribute. We say all of this so that you know we are using your money faithfully and well, but it will take all of us to get where we need to be. And I know that all of you here do believe in the ministry and mission of this church and the way that God is active here in the city. So that we might be further reminded of that, we turn our attention now to the word of God. The New Testament lesson today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. We hear more from John the Baptist this week, leader in his ministry. First, however, let us pray. God of mercy and magnificence, as you draw ever closer, we are eager to hear your voice. Quiet everything in us that stands in the way and focus our hearts on you. Amen. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
are seated, I invite any of our young people that would like to come forward and join me up here at the font for a short conversation just for you. Good morning. Yeah, we got a good crew today. I'm so glad that you're here. I say it to the adults each week, but it's true for you too. Anytime you are with us in worship, you make us better. So thank you for making us really good today. Yeah, can you see in there, Cece? That's where we bap- we baptized you from this font. Do you remember? Yeah, you do. That I'm so glad. <laughs> You're five years old now. That's good. I am so glad that whether you are so little, you can't quite remember being baptized. You remember? That's good. Remembering is really important. And one of the things we remember during Advent is how much the unexpected, so by that I mean the things we don't think could ever happen, they actually do. Now we're going to hear about this in here, the adults are, and you're going to learn about it in children's church. But do you know what a desert is? What's a desert? It's hot and it's dry. And what's all over the ground? Sand. And cactus. Yeah, things that you wouldn't want to take a nap on a cactus, would you? No. No, you would get hurt. I wouldn't want to do it either. They're prickly. Yeah, it's a very hard place to be. That's exactly right. And what we're going to hear from one of the prophets, that's somebody that was very wise and told us about what was happening. They're going to tell us about a time when even in the desert, blossoms sprung up. Now, would you expect to see flowers in the middle of the desert? Yeah, Yeah, you would? Well, then I'm going to have you preach the sermon. How about that? But that's good. That means you have eyes like a prophet because you expect to see the unexpected. But that's what Jesus does when he comes. He takes the unexpected and it's here. That's, yes. Yeah, we have flowers to remind us of that. Yes, I'm a little worried you're going to hurt yourself, so can you come down from there? That will not be a good Advent present. Okay, I am so excited for you to go learn about all of this in Children's Church. But before we do that, I'm going to say a prayer, and would you pray with me? Would you repeat after me? And I'm going to have all the other people behind you repeat after me too, okay? Dear God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for Advent. We thank you for our church and all of the joy we find here. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Now you can go off to Children's Church or you can go back and sit with your family. You'd like So you go right that way. And uh, Pat and Barbara will take you there, okay?
So our Old Testament lesson today is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 35, and I should say that I absolutely expect that you all will be just as engaged and interactive as our children were. (laughs) Hear now these words from the prophet. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad, the desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless shall sing for joy. Waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. A highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there. The redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As Corinne mentioned, last week we heard quite a bit from and about John the Baptist. And as you have already heard in that reading, he is still very much present with us this Sunday. Now, I hope this came through clearly enough last week. John is an extraordinary prophet. You've heard me say this before, that sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that prophets can see into the future. That's not quite right. Prophets do have excellent eyesight, but it's the present moment that they are able to see better than anyone else. John knows what the people around him and what he himself most needs to hear. Words of lament that ring out with heartbreaking honesty Are you the one who was to come? Are you the one we've been waiting for? Is it really you? Or are we supposed to wait even longer still? Jesus always knows the right way to respond. And so to the mighty prophet, he responds borrowing the words of another prophet, Isaiah. Isaiah is the quintessential Advent prophet, I like to think of him as the great interrupter. If you have read the book of Isaiah straight through, you know it is rough going. For the vast majority of it, it is bleak. Over and over again, the prophet laments the present day and warns of what is to come 
if nothing changes. But then, here and there, almost, it seems, just when Isaiah himself and all who read his words are reaching the breaking point, he interrupts himself to tell us of the good things that are coming. He interrupts the gloom and doom he sees in the present moment to tell us how God is going to interrupt that. Because that's a good way of thinking about Advent and about the Incarnation as a whole, actually. If John the Baptist is the great interrupter, Advent is the great interruption. It's the interruption of the status quo and the interruption of fear. It's the interruption of darkness and dismay and distress, of loneliness and longing, and it interrupts all of that with light and salvation, with restoration and healing on the wing. Isaiah talks of the desert being interrupted by blossoms. As I discussed with our children, the desert is a dry and desolate place. That's the way scripture describes it. It's a part of the earth that you travel through with caution and preparation and provision. It's a place you don't actually want to stay. You endure it on the way to better things. But sometimes, seemingly out of nowhere, interrupting the infinite grains of sand, blossoms appear and water bursts forth. It's an interruption of the very holiest kind because it is life, and it is interrupting the place where there had been no life. It is God making a way where there had been no way. So, of course, Jesus reaches for those words from the prophet Isaiah to comfort the prophet John. Because John is in prison, things have not gone the way he hoped. Good news seems very far away. It seems as if there is absolutely no way forward, and he is afraid, I suspect, that he has been wrong about everything. I wonder if you have ever felt that way. And so Jesus chooses to send John those words of holy interruption. Words originally said to those to others who were of a fearful heart. Do not be afraid, Isaiah says, for here is your God who is coming to you. The key to his entire prophecy is that restoration is coming. Isaiah talks in the future tense. He offers us words of promise, but Jesus talks about it in the present tense. He is offering words of fulfillment. The blind, they are seeing again. The lame, they are walking again. The lepers, their skin is clean again. And the dead, they are being raised up again. By the grace of God... Through the person of Jesus Christ, everything broken, everything battered, everything left wanting is absolutely interrupted. Because this is what happens when Jesus comes into the world. He interrupts everything. 
And a small detail not to be overlooked, when Jesus sends that message to John, he says to his messengers, tell John what you are seeing. In other words, tell him what you are witnessing yourselves. Don't just repeat what I have said. Tell him what you see happening. A number of years ago, I heard a lecture by a theoretical physicist. There is a part of that lecture that I will never forget, and it's not just because it's the only part I understood. It is, but that's not why I remember it. She said that it has been proven time and time again that we are quite bad at noticing things if we aren't actively looking for them. She said, even in laboratories, even among scientists, with decades of training, we are much less likely to notice something unexpected. Researchers who are trained to look for certain markers or certain reactions, she said, in order to discover the unexpected, those same researchers, they actually have to give themselves a talk in advance so that they have the mindset of, I'm going to find something that surprises me. Because otherwise, the chances of them finding something, whether it might be a new insight, a new disease, or even a new cure, whatever it might be, the chances of them finding it, even if it's there, drop noticeably. These are her exact words, we almost never find what we aren't looking for. So I wonder what you are looking for this Advent. Arthur Brooks wrote a column in the Washington Post a couple of weeks ago. I'm still mulling it over. He cites a 1998 article in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology that says negative information weighs more heavily on our brains. In other words, negative stimuli get our attention much more so than positive. Now, on the one hand, of course, this is good news. It's the basis of evolution. It's how we survive. But on the other hand, Brooks says, these days, we as Americans... And he points out that this is true across the political spectrum. We as Americans are so fixated on the bad... We are allowing it to demobilize us and even begin to destroy us. He says that when we actively search for signs of hope, we are moved toward action because seeing something hopeful makes us want to replicate hope. When we allow ourselves only to notice the bad, we're moved towards lament, and that becomes the basis of our entire worldview. In other words, like perpetuates like. If you look for signs of life, you are going to find them. Or to borrow the words from Isaiah, if you look for blossoms in the desert, you will notice they are there. Now he goes on to say it's not that bad things still aren't happening. They are But when we allow that to dominate our perception, it takes over. 
And he argues that it actually begins to change our vision and the way we look at the world and everything and everyone in it. He says the risk is that we become people who actively assume the worst and we don't even realize it's happening. We almost always find what we're looking for. So again, what are you looking for this Advent? I'd like to tell you a bit about Huang Young Fu. If you aren't familiar with him, his picture is on the cover of our bulletin today. He was born in China, and in 1937, at the age of only 15 years old, he left home to fight. He later fought in World War II, and after all of that, he fought for the Nationalist Party against the Communist government. When the Nationalists lost in 1949, he and two million others, they fled to Taiwan, where they were housed in makeshift villages that were hastily put together for members of the military and their families. Huang and others then fought on Taiwan's behalf, and after being shot twice and wounded in battle, he retired in 1978 with a gold medal for defending Taiwan. But a little over 10 years ago, at the age of 86, Huang Yongfu found himself in yet another fight. The Taiwanese government was threatening to tear his home down. The villages were never meant to be permanent, but those who lived there, the situation never improved enough for them to return to their original homes. The villages fell into further disrepair, and the government began a fairly aggressive campaign to demolish all of the remaining settlements and use that real estate to build high-rise condos. So by the time Huang was becoming aware of this, only 30 of the original 879 settlements remained, but his was one of them. He said, when I came here, my village had 1,200 households, and we'd all sit around and talk like one big family, but then everyone moved away or passed away, and I became lonely. Nevertheless, he remained in his village until he was quite literally the only resident left. And so by 2008, developers had taken possession of all but 11 of his village's buildings. They wanted to knock it all down, he said, but I did not want to move. This is the only home I have ever known as an adult. He received a letter ordering him to vacate. But when Huang tells his story, This is the point at which a smile begins to spread across his face. He says, I didn't want to move, so I started painting. He painted a single bird on his bedroom wall that first day. The next morning, he painted again, and he has continued ever since. Every morning at 4 a.m., Huang Yangfu turns on a single light and carries a handful of paint tins to the street outside. While the city around him sleeps, he crouches on a stool for hours and quietly decorates the cement walls, all of the pavement, and even the window frames 
with an explosion of murals in every imaginable color. Tigers leap from the walls, whiskered kittens hide in alleyways, and a parade of pandas, peacocks, and people peek out from the doorways. If you look closely enough, you will see dancing samurais and floating astronauts. Two years after he began his painting, the Taiwanese government puzzled over how to respond to this uncooperative resident. But around the same time, a student from a nearby university happened through Huang's village. He learned of his battle to hold back the bulldozers, brushstroke by brushstroke. The student took pictures and began a fundraising campaign to purchase as much paint as possible. And that led to a petition protesting the demolition. So by October of that same year, the remaining 11 buildings, streets, and surrounded areas were granted protective status, and they were preserved as a public park. Through all of this, though, Huang just kept painting. Every surface in his settlement is filled with bright, vibrant images and life-giving color. From the streets to the rooftops, imaginative, bubbly creations have taken over. The world has begun calling his home Rainbow Village, and they have called Huang Grandpa Rainbow. Now these days, more than one and a quarter million people visit Rainbow Village each year. As long as he was able, Grandpa Rainbow would visit with guests each day, but his health took a recent turn, and he spends a fair amount of time in the hospital now. But he has managed to find beauty even there. During a bout of pneumonia, he fell in love with one of his nurses. They were married soon after, and Rainbow Village's population doubled. Grandma Rainbow now helps contribute to the whimsical world. The visitors who wish can find their door by looking for the illustration of a smiling soldier holding a paintbrush. He says, there are so many things I can't do anymore, but I can still paint. I can still look at something old and broken down, something forgotten and left behind, and I can see something beautiful. What are you looking for this Advent? The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the majesty of our God. Waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And the ransomed of the Lord will return with singing. Joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing will all flee away. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
professing the faith of the Church together, using the Apostles' Creed as you find it printed in your bulletins. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Let us join our hearts in prayer. God of promise, you are our hope, our peace, and our joy. You promise to come and make us whole, and to bring life to the barren places and times of our lives. We long for the day when your reign is complete and your glory fills the earth. Until that time, we rely on your grace, we watch for your messengers, and we pray for ourselves, our church, our neighbors, and our world. O come, O come, Emmanuel, come and save your people. Pour out your spirit upon your church. In these turbulent times, keep us faithful and full of hope. We pray for our sisters and brothers in the Synod of Harare in Zimbabwe. We thank you for their faithful witness and tireless outreach to their communities, especially in these times of great challenge and hardship. We pray that you would continue to strengthen and guide them. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Come and save your people. Pour out your spirit upon our nation and its leaders, especially in these deeply troubling and divisive days. As each new day brings more news than we can absorb, give us wisdom and encouragement. Give those in power clarity of vision, integrity, and a commitment to the truth and to working for the good of all people. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Come and save your people. Pour out your spirit upon all nations and their leaders. As our world faces one crisis after another, may those in power look beyond themselves and their own interests. May compassion, the desire for peace, and concern for the future of this planet be stronger than greed and the lust for power. Bring comfort, hope, and sustenance to all who live in fear and poverty. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Come and save your people. Pour out your spirit upon all who suffer, those who are homeless and hungry, those who seek employment, those for whom this time of year is a time of sadness and loss rather than good cheer. Give all of these what they need to sustain both body and spirit. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Come and save your people. Pour out your spirit upon all who are sick, recovering from surgery or illness, all who are lonely or struggling with addictions and disorders, those who are homebound or in long-term care. 
and those who are in hospice care. We pray this day especially for Alvin Ike Ortiz, Marjorie Norris, Luis Rodriguez, Margaret Davies, and Robert Morton Heller. Comfort and encourage all of these and heal them by your grace. O come, O come, Emmanuel, come and save your people. Pour out your spirit upon all who mourn the death of one they love. Sustain them and bring them comfort and peace. We pray for all who have lost loved ones to acts of violence. We pray for the family and friends of Tessa Majors, Paul Volker, Elaine Heckman, Brent Hill, Jessica Reevely, and Crescenciana Catalan. O come, O come, Emmanuel, come and save your people. God of promise, we trust and find hope in Isaiah's assurance that what is broken will be made whole, what is barren will flourish, and you will lead your people home through whatever wilderness we wander. With your promises and your presence as our source of deep joy, we pray. Amen. Now let us respond to the abundance that God pours out upon us each and every day by offering our gifts and tithes.
seated. We come to this table with grateful hearts for all the blessings of this life. We come to this table in deep joy, trusting in God's promises. Christ invites us to meet him here, to be filled again with the bread of life and the cup of salvation, and to be sent into the world empowered to be Christ's body in a world longing to be made whole. Christ accepts us as we are and promises to make us more. So come with all your frailties and shortcomings, your burdens and questions, your joyful hearts or your heavy hearts. This is Christ's table, and Christ welcomes all. Whether you are a member of this church or another church or no church, whether you are young, old, or somewhere in between, you are welcome. This is not our table, but Christ's table. He invites you to meet him here. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks grace. With joy we praise you, O God. When you first spoke, creation was conceived, and the brightest of light brought forth. Water rushed to its place, nourishing your creation. We're in awe of such lush, overgrown land that also overlooks the dry deserts that creatively hide your work. For in the dry land... It too shall blossom to your glory. It too rejoices, exposing the essence of life underneath dry sand. For even when we are dry and wilted by a lack of nourishment, O God, you find a way to restore our energy. It's been said so many times in so many ways. When your people were oppressed, you spoke hope through the prophets. When Ruth was withered by work, you cultivated joy through relationships. When the disciples were lost in grief, you reappeared in love. And so we join, we join our voices with the company of heaven, who forever sing to the glory of your holy name. Again, O God, we give thanks when, born of Mary, goodness came into the existence of flesh. Just as we blossom, Jesus blossomed. Just as we rejoice, Jesus rejoiced. Just as we love, Jesus loved. And then was resurrected as an act of hope. 
And so with love and grace imprinted on our hearts by you, O God, let your spirit come. May it pour out upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and wine as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And as our heart is subsumed into yours, O God, we work toward your kingdom in its grace. We gather with our siblings from every time and place, embracing each other and sitting down for the joyful feast, telling all of your glory and hope. We do all of this, and we do it while praying the way Christ taught those first disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. On the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus took bread. Having given thanks to God, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this as my remembrance. And in the same way, he took the cup, and as he poured it out, he said, This cup, it is the cup of the new covenant. It is sealed in my blood and shed for the forgiveness of sin. And he said, Every time you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul reminds us that every time, each and every time we share this bread and this cup, We proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ until he comes again. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep the feast.
Let us pray. God, our hope, we give you thanks that you have given us this foretaste of the justice, righteousness, and peace of your promised new creation. Strengthen us with this bread and cup as we seek to serve you in this world. Lead us to live in joyful expectation of the coming again in glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.
remember it was the love of God that brought you into this place today, and it is the same love of God that now sends you out into a world that needs what only you have to offer. So may joy and nothing less follow you all the days of your life. May you be blessed, and may you be a blessing, and may you rest well today, secure in the knowledge that the Lord of Light, who has brought you this far already, will lead you and countless others all the way home. Amen. Thank you.